And um, it's my great pleasure this morning to actually get to introduce David Woodham. He serves with us at DCF here on our leadership team. He and his wife, Callie, um, our deacons, they love this body. Um, David kind of grew up from as an early teenager here in this house. And we love that sons in the house um, get to become fathers in the house. And so we love that, that um, David is a father in this house. And um, we feel like we got a gift when Callie married him because we got Callie too. And so um, Dave's going to be continuing on our series, New Creation, and this is part two. Thanks so much, y'all. Good morning. Oh, good, it's on. All right. I've noticed every time I've ever seen a speaker in church or whether it's here or online, they're always drinking water. Um, I brought something else this morning. Um, so I'm just going to be a little bit different, obviously. And Callie, Callie's at work today, obviously, because if we'd walked out the door, she probably would have said, are you sure you want to wear that this morning? So she's not here, so I get to wear what I want. Um, <laughs> I can't believe we've, we've been married almost three years now, and it seems crazy because it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's been that long, but it, it really has. And I get some great advice from Caleb Messer. Most of you know who he is. Those of you that are watching online may not. Caleb Messer was a worship leader for, for several years. He grew up in DCF, um, and he was an a elder here, and they got called away uh, because Caleb had an opportunity to, to, to become part of the FBI, and he's doing great, and, you know, just, just love him. He, he told me... Um, Problems arise when expectations aren't met, which has been some of the best advice I've ever gotten uh, in regards to just marital advice, because it's so true. Um, I think about our first year and just the excitement of all that and just learning to, to live with Callie and just learning all those <laughs> expectations, you know. Some of, them, some of them were a little bit rough because expectations weren't clearly stated, and, you know, that, that's going to happen. But some of them were just, you know, fun. Uh, I, I think about our first Christmas together and uh, just, you know, how fun that was because we grew up in very different style households when it came to celebrating Christmas. Um, you know, my family, you know, on a scale of like zero to Clark Griswold, we were probably about a five, you know. Like we, we decorated the tree. We did the lights and everything. You know, we didn't go overboard, but we just enjoyed Christmas. Uh, the way she was brought up, they didn't really do the, the commercial Christmas that much. They, they focused on, you know, just, you know, Christ, which is great. I love that. So when we got married, uh, Callie got to experience something totally different because Callie, most of you that know Callie, she loves to decorate, and she does a really good job. Uh, those of you that have come into our home, uh, that's like 90% Callie. It would not look like that if I were, if I were left to my own devices, you know. Uh, so she does a great job. And Christmas, for those of you that love to decorate, is like the Super Bowl because you get to go all out, you know. And she, so she got to get all the greenery, the trees and everything. And I remember distinctly when we were getting our Christmas stockings because uh, it's one thing you don't really think about when you get married. I grew up, you know, with my Christmas stocking. She didn't have a Christmas stocking. And I'm just saying, okay, I'll just bring my Christmas stocking from, you know, my house and we'll, that'll be my Christmas stocking. Well, no. We're going, to have, we're going to have matching Christmas stockings, which is great. I love it. I, I love our Christmas stockings. And I remember, I remember going to Walmart, 
and I remember shopping for our Christmas stockings. And I was like, all right, if we're going to do this, we'll, you know, we're going to get something nice, something that I like. So I'm looking at this Christmas stocking. It's, you know, a red checkered pattern, you know, fur lining. looks great. She's looking at, she's looking at the price, and she's like, oh, I don't know. It's like 20, 25 bucks. I don't know if I want to spend that, that much on a Christmas stocking. I was like, I know how much you spent on the rest of the decorations. You know, let's... We can, we can go out for this, you know. It's like, ah, I don't know. And she walks over to, you know, this other Christmas stocking. It's a little bit, it's a little bit cheaper. And I'll be honest, did not look good at all. And she was like, ah, I don't like this one either, but I like the price. I was like, I, I don't understand. She's like, well, what if, what if, you know, we get that stocking that you have, which I like, but next year we go with a different theme? And I pause and I'm like, I don't, under, I don't understand what theme you're... T- of course there's a theme. Christmas, that's the theme, you know. This is our Christmas stocking. So in her mind, you know, it may be highlighting some other aspect. But maybe one year we highlight on, like, you know, uh, snowflakes or whatever, some other aspect of, of Christmas. So, like, mm, our expectations were not on the same page for that. Um, and, you know, it's just in relationships, that's what you got to do. You got to make clear expectations. And... It's hard, you know, it's hard in life because life is hard. And, uh, you know, as far as our relationship with God, it's good to know what the expectation is. And really, in this, in this new covenant that we have, he really only has one expectation, and that is to be the new creation that he's created us to be. That's it. Just be yourselves. Be, be who he's called us to be. Um, I love, I love, I don't have a video. I know every time I've, I've come up and I've talked, I always show a video. I don't have a video this morning. Um, but I will talk about a video that I have shared in the past because I've talked about identity in the past. And I showed a clip from the movie Man of Steel. Uh, and this, the scene that I showed was uh, where young Clark Kent, Superman, is talking with his dad, Jonathan. They're in the barn. And Clark's about 13, 14 years old. And he knows he's, he's different from the other kids. He's, he's stronger. He's faster. He doesn't seem to get hurt. He doesn't seem to get sick. And he doesn't know why he's different. He just knows that he is. And so his father realized it's, it's time for, for Clark to, to learn about who he is. And so he takes him into the barn, and he shows him the uh, spacecraft that Clark came in when he was a baby that showed up. And he, and he told him, you know, I sent a piece of this, this spacecraft, this material, to uh, a geologist at the university. Wasn't able to, to find it on the periodic table whatsoever, meaning that this did not come from this earth. And Clark, just taking all this in, realizing the gravity of what his father is saying, not only is he he's different, which he already knew, he's not even human. And just being overwhelmed with, with emotion and just tears in his eyes says, can I just be your son? And his dad, knowingly, you know, he's, he's emotional too, grabs him, brings him into his chest and says, you are my son. But out there you have another father, and he calls you by a different name. And he sent you here for a reason. And you owe it to yourself, even if it takes you the rest of your life, to find out what that reason is. And I love that scene so much because that is exactly what our Heavenly Father has done for us. He sent us here for a reason. 
we're, he sent us here, and that, that reason is to be the new creation. And I, I want you to understand something this morning. Your new creation was not created to make a small impact. I want you to understand that. I know many of us may have heard that before, but do we believe it? You know, you look at your, your new creation. I'll be honest. When I read, read that scripture in Second, uh, Second Corinthians, I look at that and I always looked at it, it's just a metaphor for being saved. You know, it's just, it's just trying to explain, like, this, you're, you're saved. you weren't saved, now you are saved, you're a new creation. And if we leave it at that, we're really not, not getting hold of the true meaning of what that verse is because we are literally a new creation. We're given new spiritual eyes. We're given ears that hear the Father's voice. We're, giving, we're given gifts and a new identity. So what, what, does that, what does that mean to be a new creation, you know? And I, I want to dive into that, you know, what, what it means for us individually because... Some of you, if I ask you, you know, what, what does it mean for you to be a, a new creation, a new creature? I like the new creature version because it just, I think it hits the, the point home a little bit better. But if I asked you, you know, what, what, who are you as a new creation? Some, some of you, maybe a lot of you are able to give an answer, you know. If I asked you, how is your new creature different from the person sitting next to you? You may not be able to give a, a more precise answer. And that new creation is, is very, very different. I want you to understand, it's not like you were just made on a factory line where it's just a, a cookie cutter, new creation, new creation, new creation. My new creation is different from your new creation. We may share some, some commonality, but there is something that is distinctly you, and there's things that are distinctly me. I think uh, before we dive into dissecting you know, the new creation, I, 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 like I said before, I want to set the expectation. Uh, I, know, I know we talked about it a little bit already, but I think it's important to, to understand um, where we were to where we are. So in the Old Testament, the expectation was sacrifice and live by the Ten Commandments. That's, that's what you were expected to do. Sacrifices, you know, ever since the beginning, the sacrifice of atonement. I love what Karen said earlier. The sa- the, the, the we, we can't touch. There's nothing we could do to, to change the stain of sin that was on our lives. In the Old Testament, the sacrifice, if you want to think about it like a loan, it didn't do anything to go towards the principal on that loan. If anything, it just paid off the interest. You never could touch that, that debt that was owed. You were called to live by the law, which you could never live up to, no matter how hard you try. And you were expected to, to bring sacrifice. And then comes along the new covenant through Christ. And like we said already, the expectation for you in this new covenant is be in Christ and be the new creature. That's it. Absolutely. All right. So that verse in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. This is King James, if you're following along. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In Galatians 6.15, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision mean anything. What counts is the new creation. That's it. That's all God expects you to be. 
exactly who he created you to be. So, if we break down what, what does it mean to be this, this new creature, this new creation, I like to think of it as family traits and individual traits. All right? Um, if you look at, you know, just a, a family practically, you can, you can look at a group as a family, and may, there's certain physical features that they all share that obviously you say they're in the family together. Or it could be mannerisms or just values that they share. But even within that family, even within my own family, I have an older brother, there are, are individual traits that I have that set me apart from everyone in my family. Uh, to use another example, I feel like maybe I can drive it home a little bit better this way. Uh, I was in the Army for about eight years in the National Guard. And every enlisted soldier in the Army goes through basic training. I don't, I don't care what rank they are or what their, their job is. Every enlisted soldier goes through basic training. And what, what they do in basic training, they, t- they take an individual, a civilian, they teach them how to walk like a soldier, talk like a soldier, think, speak like a soldier, and fight. Fighting is, is, the, is the job of the military. I, don't, I mean, I don't care what your position is on that, that's, that's their job. They teach you the basic tactics to survive a firefight. And the, there's three things they, they really drive home into you. Shoot, move, and communicate. Those are the three basic things that you need to be able to do in order to survive a firefight. You've got to be able to shoot, you've got to be, be mobile, and you've got to be able to talk to one another. You take away one of those three things, and your chances of survival drastically go down. If you can't shoot, hopefully you can, you can move and outmaneuver the enemy and maybe call for reinforcements, you know. If you can't move, you know, hopefully you can fight them off long enough for your reinforcements to show up. And if you can't, uh, if you can't communicate, you know, hopefully you can fight them off yourself. Hopefully that their forces don't overwhelm you. But those are the three aspects to win a firefight. Now, after basic training... Every soldier is sent off for what's called advanced individual training. It's AIT. It's where they take a soldier and they specialize them in a field. Even infantry have, have an advanced individual training. What they do is they get to learn more sophisticated tactics and new equipment that they get to use that the rest of the Army doesn't get to use. Uh, I myself, I went into what's the, called the chemical corps. We were called the glorified car washers of the, of the Army, which isn't isn't necessarily uh, an, an accurate statement, to be honest with you. But what, what we did is what we, uh, we would protect, identify and protect against weapons of mass destruction, whether they be radiological, chemical, biological. And what our job was was to identify the threat, mark the threat to keep people away from it, protect ourselves and others, the other, other members of the, of the military, uh, and to decontaminate if anyone, whether it be ourselves or anyone else, decontaminate people to get them, get them clean and decontaminate the, the equipment so they can continue to fight. So that even in the military, it's, it's broken down basic training and more advanced individual training. And that's just the way it is with us as this new creation. So I want to talk about the family traits, the things that we all share as a body, as, as, a, as a family. 
And I, goodness, I could probably teach a series just on this. So I just kind of cherry-picked, you know, some of the main ones that I found. Um, the first one, obvious, obviously, is we love the Word. This, this is the bedrock in which we measure everything against because this is absolute truth. Anything that, that goes against this right here, you can go ahead and you can just count it. Okay, that's, that's, that's not true. So this, this is what we measure everything against. Another thing that, that, that we value is the, the fruits of the Spirit. You know, those are uh, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. These are the things that we, we want to fill our lives with. Uh, the next, faith, hope, and love. And this comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's a love chapter. You, you hear it at every wedding. All right. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, love. Shoot, move, communicate. If you, if you ever find yourself in, in a spiritual firefight or just a situation where you have no idea what to do, fall back on these three things because they will get you through it, I promise. Faith that God is going to do exactly what he said he's going to do. The hope that is the salvation that we have through grace in Jesus Christ and the hope that he that is, is uh, good to, to, to start a good work will carry it on to its fulfillment. And love. Love, there's a reason the greatest of these is love. Love is, is the thing I try to, to fall back on the most. Because in any situation where I'm confused, I don't know what to do, I always, always you know, ask God, God, how do I love you well in this? And also, how do I love others well in this? And sometimes it, it's, it's tough love. I know as Christians, we find, sometimes find it hard to to bring that tough love, but it, it is love. There's a reason that love is in that. It's not like it's fool's gold where it's called gold, but it's not really gold. It is love. Um, so sometimes that tough love is, is what's needed. Uh, another family trait that we, we all share is um, we believe in modeling or becoming a mature believer. And uh, this comes out of 1 Timothy 3. This is, this is the, the chapter that talks about the list of qualifications for deacons and elders. And what this is really is, it's a model of what it is to be a mature believer. These, these are kind of the standards that we hold to a mature believer. And, um, excuse me. Some of the things that are listed there, being above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, able to manage his family well. This, this is what a mature believer should be. This is, this is the goal to strive to become. And the next one is gathering together. Hebrews 10.25, do not neglect the gathering of the saints discipleship, which really encompasses the gathering together and the becoming a mature believer. Jesus valued coming together. It's one of the first things he did when he started his ministry. He gathered his disciples together. 
There's a reason that Scripture says, like iron sharpens iron, so does man. You know, we, sh- we, we sharpen each other. We, we, we encourage one another. We help each other to grow. There's an importance to discipleship that I encourage you this morning. It, if you aren't being discipled, get discipled. Find, find someone that, that, you, that you know is, is mature, someone that you strive to become like. You know, we all want to strive to become like Christ, but obviously there's, there's physical examples here that, that of brothers and sisters that we, we love. It's like, man, they, they are doing it well. I, I want them to teach me how to do it well as well. Go after, go after these people. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything awkward. It's like, hey, you know, can we grab a, a cup of coffee or something? I, I'd love to be able to, to, to run some things by you. I, I, I really respect the way, you know, you handle yourself. And I, I just want to know if you would be willing to, to talk to me about that because I, I'd like to be able to incorporate what you're doing into my life as well. And those of you that are mature and aren't discipling someone, Grab someone to disciple because, honestly, it, it, it's a lot like teaching. When you're teaching someone, you really learn some new stuff as well. There, there's something about guiding someone, whether in a situation or just teaching something new. There, there, there's a growth that happens within you yourself. You know, so that, I think it's important that this morning, if you're not being discipled, get discipled. If you're not discipling someone, go find someone to disciple, you know. Um, another family trait that we have is we, we believe in, in rectifying wrongs. And what I mean by that is if there's any disunity in the body or if there's, there's any kind of issue that, that arrives, we believe in, in handling that well, you know. Uh, in Matthew 18, 15 through 17, it says, Correct a brother or sister in private. If they don't repent, correct them with another believer present. If they don't repent, correct them publicly. If they don't repent, treat them as pagans and tax collectors. Now, that's like best case scenario to like absolute worst. So to, to go at the very end where we treat them like pagans and tax collectors, believe me, there's, there's a lot of steps between then and there. So I, I don't want you to, to feel like, you know, it's, it goes extreme from one end to the other quickly. Um, because if, if we're modeling maturity well, if we're discipling another, one another well, it really shouldn't go past that first or second step, to be honest with you. Um, because in, in maturity, if I wrong you, or vice versa, I should come to you and clearly state why I'm offended or, or, or why I feel like you've wronged me. I want to I clearly set that expectation. This is, this is kind of what I expected in this situation, and that didn't happen, you know, and rectify that. that that's the mature response. Uh, I feel like, you know, the world's response is to just bottle it up, not talk about it, be angry with them, be passive-aggressive, and never address it, you know. And, but that's, that's not what we're called to do. And I think as a, as a church, we need to really model that well. Um, and the last one, and there, like I said, there's many more, but the last one I'm going to address this morning, caring for orphans and widows. And that comes out of James 1.27 where he pretty much clearly states care for the orphans and the widows. Um, and that's just, that's just talking about the, the need to just 
help others out. There, there, there's, there's people in this world that really, they, they, they have to have help. Even the world understands that. The world values that as well. You know, so why not, why not the, the body of Christ? Why not should we even value that even more so? So let's talk about some of the more complex, complex aspects of this, this new creation, that individual trait. Um, and you really can, can view this as, as function or identity. They can be really interchangeable. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 12, it talks about the unity in the body. The unity in the body. Just as a body through one has many parts, but all of its many parts from one body, so it is, it is with Christ. And if you jump on down to, to verse 24, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, that its parts should be, have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and different kinds of tongues. So what this is saying is just basically saying we're all different. We all have different roles, and we're all valued equally. We, we, we may have bring different strengths, and we may, we may have different gifts, but we're all part of the body of Christ. There's not, there's not one that should be looked down less on based upon their gifts, essentially. And um, so, so part of the individual traits, obviously there's, there's what's called the five-fold ministry gifting that comes out of Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, through 12. And he gave, the, uh, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Not everyone is going to fall underneath this. There, there are select people that God has called to, to fit these, uh, these functions in the church. Um, if you go down to, to spiritual gifts, and that, that, like I said, that comes out of that 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's several different types of spiritual gifts. There's, there's prophecy, words of knowledge, tongues, interpretations of tongues, healing, acts of mercy, discernment, whole list. And these are spread out throughout the body. Uh, and some of us are going to be uh, more equipped to some than others. Uh, a lot of people can work in multiple different types of gifts. Um, I, I, I myself tend to lean more into some of the, the prophetic and the words of knowledge and things. And uh, someone else may have a strong gift of tongues. I, I, I love tongues. Believe me, my first experience with tongues was, was kind of freaky because I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up in, in a denomination that really focused uh, on, the, on the spiritual gifts as hard as, as we do here. And to be honest, you know, the spiritual gifts, I've, I've talked about this before when I, when I talked about the Holy Spirit. Spiritual gifts are, are a tool. That's, that's literally all they are. If I, if I tell you, dig a hole, and I throw a, just a whole array of tools in front of you. You got, you know, a shovel all the way up to a big backhoe to dig the hole. Um, 
The only thing that matters really is, are you going to dig the hole? Your choice is to, to pick which tool, you know, that's given to you to dig the hole. Um, so I don't, I don't want to by any means claim that, you know, denominations that don't believe in the spiritual gifts are, are any way less Christian. Uh, by no means whatsoever is that true. Because uh, these tools are just it's that. They're tools, things to help you in, in, in the ministry of what God has called you to do. And I think, as I've said before, I think the, the hesitancy to go after these spiritual gifts is because they can be used um, incorrectly. They can, and, and they can bring harm. Um, it's just like using the proper tool, tool for the proper situation. If I take a hammer and a nail, and I can, I can build, put boards together and build something great, you know, if I take a hammer and a screw and I try to hammer that screw into the, the pieces of wood to build whatever God's called me to build, chances are I'll either A, break that screw, or B, drive that screw in and split the wood and damage what I've been called to, to build. And that's, that's really uh, the, the, the truth of mishandling these gifts, you know. When they're not used properly, they can cause damage. So, the other thing that I want to talk about as far as individual traits, there are, there are certain things about this new creation. If you were to really study and and ask God to reveal about yourself, you're probably not going to find it necessarily clearly in here. I, I want to I be very, very careful how I, I explain this. There's going to be some things that aren't really going to necessarily get confirmation through Scripture. It's, it's really going to be something between you and God. And I'll use, a, I'll use a practical example of what I'm talking about. My father is here this morning. And growing up in my family, um, you know, my, my dad grew up watching westerns. He loved Gunsmoke, he loved John Wayne, all of it. Um, and so when he'd come home, or even, as, even today, even as we're, we're grown adults, sometimes when I come over, he'll say, hey, cowboy. It's a little, it's a little pet name. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a term of endearment he has for me. And God, God absolutely desires that exact same intimacy with us. God, God can, can, can have names for us that, that honestly, we're not going to find in here, you know? I feel I, feel I, I would be disingenuous this morning. Uh, by talking about all this without, without giving some, some personal examples. So I'll, I'll do that. I have had many, many words spoken over me where I am called a warrior. And so I, I, I took that, you know, that was something new to me. I didn't know what that meant. Not the actual word. I know what the word means. I, I just I didn't know what that meant for me as the new creation. What, what is that? What's that about? 
And it was, it was spoken over me on several different occasions by different people that had no relation to one another. So I took that word and I, I prayed about it. There, were, there was something in me that, that really resonated with that. You know, I, I, I went into the military. I'm, I'm a firefighter. There's, there's part of me that's just like, yeah, I, I agree with that. I love that, you know. But I, I didn't know how to really rectify that um, with, with God or, you know, just really settle that between me and him. And I came across reading Exodus 15.3. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. And God just, just shared to me, I'm a warrior. You're my son. You are your father's son. I've given you a heart to bring freedom in, in your life and people's lives by going after things that the enemy has, has claimed for himself that is not his, that I have bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, and I've called you to go after those things and take those things back from the enemy, to bring hope into people's lives. So that, that became something settled in me. I, my, part of this new creation is I am a warrior. And I, I, also, I also, you know, like names, you know, that have meaning. And my, my older brother is named Jonathan. And he's actually named after my grandfather, uh, John Woodham. And so when I came along, my parents were talking about, well, what, what are we, we going to name our, our second, second son? And so my mom said, well... Let's name him David, because Jonathan and David in the Bible were friends. I want my sons to be friends. And right to this day, you know, my relationship with my brother has never been better, you know. Uh, I love him to death. And I, and I, think, I think some of us um, who are, are given names that, that has meaning, you know. And I looked up the meaning of what the, the name David means. It means Beloved. So, if you look at my identity, I am a beloved warrior. And I really like that. I, I mean, I, I, just, I just took hold of that because I loved it. Um, and there's... This is, this is getting really personal. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable here. Um, God has recently shared another aspect of, of my new creation that has just totally wrecked me. Um, he revealed it to me, I'd say maybe it's about a couple months ago. Tom, Tom Borsick, who was, was down recently, uh, came down, I think it was late January, um, and he, he took some of the leaders in, in the church and he took them through what's called strength finders, which is really just, you know, showing us this, this list of strengths that people lead by. There's like 34, I think. And everyone leads through these strengths, but, you know, your top 10, you know, these are the ones that you, you lead with primarily. And, and so it was a great weekend. 
you know, learned a lot about not only myself, but everyone else on team. It, it was just great. But the thing that's, that impacted me the most happened before our meeting even started. Um, we were just sitting around talking, you know, chit-chatting, you know, talking about some of the Marvel movies. Now, I, I, I grew up on comics, you know, obviously. I don't know if you can see this shirt. as Batman. Um, I grew up on comics. There, there was something about, about the story of, you know, heroes sacrificing themselves and, and just fighting evil that just attracted me. And my favorite character growing up was Batman. I, uh, I, I loved Batman. He was, just, he was just cool, you know. He was just a regular guy, uh, and he was able to be a part of this, this team uh, that had Superman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Aquaman. You know, if you, if you looked at this from like, even like an old, you know, Greek god standard, this was a mortal among gods. Not only was he able to be a part of the team, a lot of the times he led the team, which I thought was so cool because he didn't have any powers. His powers was he was rich, you know. He, he was rich and he had all these cool gadgets and he was able to, to fight well. And I just thought that was awesome, you know. And I, I was thinking about that. It's like, man, I, I loved Batman growing up. I, <laughs> I wish I could grow up to become Batman, you know. Um, I said to myself, if I'm honest, I still want to become Batman. And without that, the moment that thought went into my mind, God said to me, you are Batman. And that wrecked me so hard. I want to be, I want to be very clear. God was not saying you are Bruce Wayne, you are meant to fight crime and defend the people of Dothan. I don't, I, that's not what I'm saying at all. Um, if I somehow inherit billions of dollars, maybe I'll come back to that and reevaluate that. But I don't think that's the case. Dothan doesn't have enough tall buildings for me to brood on anyway, so I don't think it's practical. But what God was, was saying there he was using language that I understood. He knew exactly how I felt about, you know, Batman. He knew my, my love for the character growing up, how I looked at him. He's awesome, so cool. You know, I, I want to be him. God said, you are him. I created you to be him. I can't really find any kind of, any kind of scripture that says, yes, I am Batman. So, that, that's one of those X factor things that is just like you. That's just something that that's between me and God. And I, I know it's true. I, I, I can't I can't explain it with with Scripture. Maybe one day I can, um, but I, I know it's true. And God desires that level of intimacy with every one of us. He designed us just to make that impact, and He's given us all different gifts and equipped us differently to make that impact. There are things that, that only you can do because you were created for that specifically. There is a, a quote from uh, her name, St. Catherine of Siena. She, she died around 1380 at, 
33, that's my age. Um, she was a, a she was put into sainthood because of her works in, in building the, the theology that, that really, a lot of theology that is the cornerstone of a lot of the Catholic beliefs. But I like her for this quote. She said, be who God meant you to be and you will set the world on fire. I love that. It's absolutely true. So this morning, I, we're, all, we're all in different places. Some people watching, some people here may, may not really know all the family traits. There's something that's new to them, you know. They don't know what it, what it all means to have this shared family trait as, as a body of Christ. And there's, a, there's an answer for that, you know. We'd love to pray for you this morning. I'd encourage you again, get discipled. That, that, that's it. Let's live life together. Let's find out what it means to be a family. Some of us, you know, may have pretty have the, these these family traits, you know, embedded in our in our spirit. They're, they're they're set. These are values that we absolutely agree with, and and we love them. But we may not necessarily be able to identify the individual traits amongst us. That that thing that makes us unique in Christ. We may not be able to to clearly define what it means. For me, for you, to be that that new creation. There's also an answer for that this morning, and ironically, it's the exact same thing. Um, come together, get together, be, be discipled. We'd love to pray for you this morning. There's there's something about the value of coming together as a church that I think is, is severely overlooked, especially now. Because we're meant to, to come and grow together. To encourage one another. And die, dive into who God is. Learning about who God is. Graham Cook, um, I heard a message from him one time. He said, the funny thing I, I've discovered is the more I look into who God is in Scripture, who God is in my life, he in turn loves to reveal a little bit more about who I am. That is, that is the absolute heart of the Father, is to, is to have that intimacy with you. This is who I've created you to be. Because I've created you for a purpose to make that impact. So what are you going to do this morning? If, if you don't know who that, that individual new creation is really, it's up to you. It's up to you. Because you can choose not to have, you can choose not to make that impact. That, that is absolutely your choice, but you are, are missing out on so much if you choose not to. 
I just want to just close in, in prayer real quick. God, just thank you for your, your love that you have for us. Your, your desire to have that, that intimacy with us. That you, you have created us unique and special in the image of you, God. I pray this morning, if, if we're unfamiliar with, with the family traits, God, put it in our hearts, please, that desire to, to, to come together, know more about what it means to be in this family of Christ, God. God, just send people in our lives that, that can help walk alongside us, revealing the truth of who you've created us to be. Give us the boldness to step out and become that new creation that, that, that you called us to be, God. We love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. About 20 years ago, I was in a hotel room in um, Branson, Missouri. <clears throat> and uh, we'd, Karen and I had been in a part of a church plant uh, for a couple of years. It was really going south. The pastor was, unfortunately, um, very broken, and some things were happening, kind of bringing all that to light. And, uh, and he saw me as a threat and went after me. And so I was one of those uh, seasons where I, was, I felt like I was David, and he was throwing spears at me, and I was dodging all the time. I don't know if you've ever been to in a scenario like that. Anyway, I was up there and I was praying about what to do because I didn't want to just leave a church. I wanted to try to do it well. And so it was a really, really tough season for us. And um, I'd heard a message, and in the message there was a quote uh, from a scripture where Paul said um, he was a master builder. And that word stuck in my head and stuck in my heart, and I couldn't get it out. And so that night I was looking at my uh, program online or uh, on my computer Bible program looking up the original word and what it meant. And it said it was, uh, it was the version back then of, of an architect. Um, the difference back then is an architect and a foreman, foreman were kind of the same person. And uh, what was interesting is when I first got called in the ministry, before that I'd gone in the military, got saved overseas. But the reason I went, went in the military, like a lot of people, was to, get to, to be able to afford an education because I grew up really poor. And I wanted to be an architect. And I remember um, laying that that down, that dream, laying that dream down because I felt God called me into the ministry and I was like, ah, oh, look at what I got to give up. I'll never drive an SUV. <laughs> Can't ever wear a checkered shirt, you know, legitimately <laughs> as an architect. Anyway, stuff goes through my head. Um, and that night, I, I had an epiphany. Um, revelation, you know, you can call it what you want. But in that moment, I was reading that word and I heard the Father say I was, I was hurting so badly because I felt like, you know, even calling in the ministry, everything I was trying to do was just, it felt like it was being destroyed. And I was like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm, you know, I'm hurting. I, I, I'm at a loss. Is this the end kind of thing? You know, that's what we always say. And, um, and I heard the Lord say, you know, I've, I've, I've always, you've always been an architect. It's who I made you to be. And I had the sense that had I become an architect in the natural, nothing wrong with that. It just would have been less than what he called me to be because he called me to be a spiritual architect, right? Not that one's better than, than the other. It's just if I would have taken that, I would have missed 
what I was supposed to be. And here's the thing, and this is how I feel like it applies to you guys. Um, I felt like that circumstances, and especially that pastor at the time, in his brokenness was limiting who God had made me to be. <clears throat> can I just say this? Nobody can do that to you. Except for you. You are the only one who can limit who God says you are. Um, in David's life, God decided he was going to be a king, and no matter what Saul did, no matter what he threw at him, literally, he could not stop him from being who God said he was. God called him to be a king. They didn't even want to recognize him in the beginning. didn't matter. God called him to be king, and the only person who could stop that was David. He was the only one. It's very interesting in his response to what Saul was doing when he had the opportunity to not be that mature believer that um, David was calling, you know, was talking about us being. King David, before he was king, chose to do the right thing by the man who was doing the wrong thing by him. And it made all the difference because David was a great king. He sinned a lot. <laughs> he did. He sinned a lot. But in, in the end, the Bible said that King David was a great, he was great because he was a man after God's heart. And so I just want to challenge you guys as you leave. Um, it's an incredible message. One of the things I love about Dave, I told him this many, many times, is I'm so excited that he's becoming more and more who he actually is. I love it. I, I, love, his, I love his sense of humor. I told him, I said, you know, you can risk a little bit. And if you say something terrible, I'll just blame it on one of the other elders and tell them they told you to do it or something. <laughs> The truth is, he, he's, he's so mature, he's not going to do that. But my, my heart is to just release everybody into who God called them to be. And I felt like this morning, maybe you're, and I don't want this to sound harsh, but I do want it to be challenging. Maybe you're allowing some excuses to get in the way of who God says you are. Because you bought into a lie that says that somebody or something else can stop who God says you are. And I just want to put that to rest. It's not true. It's not true. They can limit. They can cause detours. They can do a lot of things. But what God wants to do in your life, no man can stop that. No one, no demon in hell can stop that. Nobody can. Because what God sets in motion, as David mentioned, he's going to bring it to pass. You are the only thing that can get in the way of your own destiny, destiny your purpose. Um, and mainly we do that by believing lies. So I just want to pray over us as a body. And just challenge that. If that's something that you've been dealing with, don't, don't feel bad. Don't beat yourself up about it. Just go, you know, I recognize this. An excuse. I've been making some excuses. There have been some outward circumstances that are keeping me from what God's saying is mine and what I'm capable of taking, you know, that, that, that property back, that warrior thing. So I want to pray over you. And if that's, if that's you, just acknowledge that. And just let that spirit of you know, Christ rise up inside you and push back on what the enemy is saying he, you can't do. He, he can't stop it. So Jesus, we just say thank you. Thank you for this message this morning. It was so amazing, Lord. Thank you for Dave and just who he is and who you're making him to be. We celebrate him. Celebrate your, your ministry in him, Lord. Celebrate the love of God, maturity just flowing out of him into us. And Lord, we just take that revelation today, that intimacy that you want with us, who you called us to be, Lord. Lord, I just pray that any excuses we've been making for external things, keeping us from the promises that you've given us, Lord, it's a lie. 
And so we just we submit that to you, Lord. But more importantly, we declare in the name of Jesus, no longer. No longer would those lies hold us back. No longer with any outward circumstance, Lord. And we don't have to fight evil, Lord, with evil. That's not what you called us to do. Like King David, Lord, he still, did, he still treated Saul with a godly heart, even when Saul wasn't treating him that way. And Lord, because of that, you released him into the fullness of his purpose. And so, Lord, we want to do the same thing. Lord, teach us how to do that well. Lord, let us lean into the call and the purpose and that, that name that you've given us specifically. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer this morning you're here, we'd love to pray for you guys. Um, just raise your hand before we take off and let one of our leaders gather around or come up and connect with us at the front. We'd love to pray for you. Um, online, if you need prayer, just get into contact us, contact with us at dothancf.com, and we'd love to, uh, to pray for you guys as well. Um, getting ready for Easter is kind of leave you guys. Be praying, be inviting, be connecting with people who don't know Christ, um, who need to know who he says that they are, and invite people. Just say, hey, come to Easter service with me. I'll buy you lunch. And then if you can't afford buying them lunch, tell me, and I'll give you the money so you can buy them lunch. <laughs> but just encourage people to come and connect because uh, a lot of people will come for Easter that won't come normally. And what's really amazing is right now I think that's a moment where people are looking for hope. And, uh, and an invitation to an Easter service is an invitation to hope. And uh, let's trust that people are going to see that and that we're going to see a tremendous increase in the body and see people's lives be transformed and turned around. Amen? Invite someone. Uh, Easter's coming up very, very quick. Invite someone. You guys have a wonderful week. We love you guys.